I'm so, so grateful, so grateful to be with the Birmingham Church this morning. Uh, my name is Frank, for all those who are, in a sense, you know, visiting with us today, you know, uh, and I am going to preach the word, okay? So guys, if something convicts you, you, you can say amen, you can say ouch, you know, I don't want you guys to be sitting there just all bored right there, okay? We are going to hear the word of God being preached, and we are a family, so Family, you know, when you're family, you talk about family stuff. <laughs> okay, guys, we talk about family stuff, okay, when we have family, okay? Now, let's go to Isaiah 55, okay? Isaiah 55. Okay, Isaiah is known as the mini Bible, okay? Because Isaiah has about 66 chapters, which is almost like, you know, the, the Bible right there. The Bible has 66 books, okay? Isaiah's, you know, name means God saves, all right? You know, I hope you believe that God saves today, okay? If there's anything that, that saves you, it is God that saves you, okay? You know, of course, you know, uh, uh, I am reminded of, of this, you know, uh, the story, you know, of, uh, you know, Jesus and Satan, you know, uh, they, 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 they go in a battle and so forth, going back and forth here and there. You know, they say, okay, you're going to type a document, okay? So Jesus goes along, he, he types a document, right? Uh, and, you know, Satan as well types a document. He's typing, he's typing. So they're both, they, they're having this keyboard war, okay? You know, some of you guys have a keyboard war right there on Facebook. They're having this keyboard war. They just type, 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 type. Before you know it, you know, they're going head, head, head against each other. The power goes out, <laughs> right? Okay, and then as the power comes back, you know, Satan's like, Okay, of course, God's like, okay, right, uh, okay, have you guys finished your, your, your documents, okay? And, you know, uh, of course, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm, I'm finished, you know, Satan gets angry, he's like, hey, this is unfair, you know, the light went out, you know, and then God's like, no, no, it's not unfair, right? Everyone knows that Jesus saves, you know, that's what Jesus does, you know, he saves right there, you know, he saved his work and he saved our souls, okay, guys, you know, uh, Isaiah 55, you guys there with me? Say amen when you guys are there. Amen, bro. Amen. You know, I do, I do, I do got to ask you guys a question, you know, before we begin, you know, what do you call the phenomenon where nobody can hear you on Zoom? A mutation. Mutation. You guys get that? No. It's mutation. Um, I, think, uh, I think Alan liked that one over there, you know. Steph, Steph enjoyed that joke as well. You know, uh, an Englishman, a Frenchman, a Spanish man and a Dutch man are all on a Zoom call. The four men are all on the Zoom call with their boss. The boss asks, can you see me? And they respond, yes, we see, yeah. You get that? Yes, we see, yeah. You know, French, Dutch. Oh, my days. <laughs> okay, let's, let's get into the Bible, guys. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Okay, I don't want you guys to Zoom out. Isaiah 55, it says in verse 6, look at this. It says, seek the Lord while he might be found. Call on him while he is near. Man, this says, guys, there will come a time where you won't be able to find God. Not that God's going to disappear. God is always there. Don't, don't worry about that. That what God's going to do is that he's going to stop sending people into your life. He's going to stop sending you church invites. He's going to stop sending you Zoom invites. And in a way, the, the, the time when you actually cannot see God anymore is when you're dead. So if you have the breath of life inside of you today, the Bible is saying that this is your opportunity to see God. This is the time for you to see God. 
This is saying Isaiah, and again, remember, Isaiah's name is God saved. He's saying there's got to be an urgency to get saved, okay? You got to have an urgency there to build a relationship with God. It says him here in verse 7, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to a God for he'll freely pardon you know, he says, you, if you want to see God, you got to repent, right? See, repentance isn't just a change of action. It's also a change of mind. He says, don't not only just turn your ways, you got to ch change your thoughts as well. Repentance is literally changing your mind and your actions as well. That's what true repentance is. Because if you don't change your thinking towards the sin, you're going to go back to it. Because if you just change your action, we know what that is called, behavior modification. That's not what Isaiah is calling us to do today. It says here in verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Wow. You see, the biggest error we can make today as humans is that we think God is like us. That's the biggest error we can make. We think God is like us. And here it tells us that simply, hey, God doesn't have a bad attitude and a bad attitude like we do, <laughs> right? God doesn't hold grudges like we do. God doesn't get angry like we do. God doesn't quit on people like we do. God is relentless. Imagine if God quit on you, guys. God waited for you for 16 to 20 years for you to become a Christian, right? We fall away on someone for 20 days, <laughs> right? God is not like us. He is different from us. Now, of course, the next verse is, it shows how different his thinking is to everyone else in the world. He says over here, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, this is interesting over here. What he's sharing over here is something, you know, he's like the heavens. Now, the he there's three heavens, okay? You've got the sky, you've got space, and you've got where God dwells. God is, he's, he's trying to describe how distant, how different he is. He says, as far as the earth is from the heavens. Now, what is the heavens? What's going on over here? Now, some of you guys may know something called the Doppler effect, okay? The Doppler effect. The Doppler effect is something, you know, it says when a siren is passing by, it seems to become lower pitched as it drives away because the frequency of its sound waves reaching your ear, in a sense, decreases as the sound moves away, okay? Now, they say space is an ever-expanding, you know, since the Big Bang, basically. That's what they say. They say space is always continuously expanding since the Big Bang, all right? It's always expanding. So they say that the galaxies are always moving away from each other. Galaxies are never close to each other. They're always moving away, always moving away, always moving away since the Big Bang. And this is saying that as Earth is far away from the heavens, space, so is God's thoughts are far away from man's thoughts. So it's like, it's like, wait a minute, as Earth, as space is always expanding, that means the distance between Earth and space is always increasing every single day. This is why you can never understand God. If you're trying to understand God, you're going to wreck your brain, <laughs> right? You're, gonna, this, you're just going to trust God. You just cannot understand his ways, even right now. Right now, we're on Zoom. Of course, we had plans to be in church service together. But you have no idea what God is doing. Perhaps someone wouldn't come to church if it was a physical church service. Perhaps us having Zoom service is what someone needed to hear the word of God today. God is doing something, guys. 
And, and we've got to understand that God is working. You know, we, he, he, he is different to us. Amen. Now it carries on over here. It Amen. says in verse 10, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and make it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And the church says, Amen. Yeah, I hope you guys said amen over there. Amen. Amen. I love this section. God uses what is called the water cycle. He uses a partial of the water cycle. He says, as, as rain falls down from, from the heavens all the way down, that water fulfills its purpose. Now, of course, the water cycle, you're like, okay, interesting. The water cycle was only discovered by a scientist by the name of Bernard Palissy in 1580. But God's word, 750 BC, is when Isaiah was written. Isaiah was written in 750 BC. Science only discovered the water cycle in about 1580. Then we say that what man has discovered, God's word already uncovered. You know, we, we live in a time where people think I discovered something. No, 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 no. Nothing has changed. We, we, every, everything's the same on the sun, guys, okay? <laughs> God's word has already spoken everything, and we're trying to discover things. All we got to do is just go to the Bible, guys, okay? We're just going to go to the Bible. So God is a scientist over here. And he talks about, he says his word always fulfills its purpose. That once God speaks something, it's not going to return to him void. It's going to fulfill what it accomplishes. See, God is not a God of all talk and no walk. God, he, 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 he talks it and he walks it as well. That's what God does right here. You see, God's word has a purpose. I hope you believe that, guys. I hope you believe that God's Bible, the Bible has a purpose. It's here to fulfill a purpose. God's word has a purpose for you today. Amen. Okay, now you, you, you guys have me right there. You guys have been following me. Amen. Amen. With you, bro. Amen. Come on, yeah, let's go. Let's go, bro. Now, believe it or not, guys, I can dance. And, you know, um, you please not ask for a dance battle after this, okay? because I'm a bit rusted. And, you know, uh, there was a time where I was doing a dance performance. You know, uh, I did a dance performance. <coughs> and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Jackie's coughing. He's like, mm, man, bro, that, that's, a, that's a lie from Satan, bro. That, that's, this COVID is disagreeing with that fact that you can dance. Um, okay. And, uh, it, of course, I was, I was doing a performance one time. And as I was doing this performance, you know, uh, we, we didn't have a lot of time to rehearse. Okay. We, we had no much time to rehearse. So what happens is as we performed, we missed the beat. <laughs> and as we missed the beat, we were like so off cue with the song. And, you know, so my dance partner, my dance partner was like, hey, this is, bear in mind, we are on stage dancing, okay? And my dance partner is like, hey, we're off beat. I'm like, yes, we are. But I was like, let's keep on going. And of course, my dance partner's like, no, 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 this is looking a bit messy right now, okay? We've got to stop the show. I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to keep on going, right? So we, we, we're having this, this talk while on stage, while we're dancing, okay? Believe it or not, we're having this little talk. Uh, she's like, we got to stop. I'm like, we got to keep on going. We got to stop it and so forth. And then, you know, she just stops. 
she just literally just stops. I'm like, oh no. And then, you know, we had no choice but to restart the show. And I was gutted because I have a deep conviction that no matter what happens, the show must go on. That's what I believe. I believe that no matter what happens, the show must go on. You know, if there's a title for the lesson today, it's simply the show must go on. And now, of course, you know, what, what does this mean? What does this phrase mean? It originated in the 19th century with circuses, believe it or not, <laughs> okay? It originated in the 19th century with circuses. And of course, what happened was that, you know, uh, the, the, the beginning time when it happened was if an animal got loose, okay? An animal got loose uh, or the performer was injured, all right? What would happen was that the ringmaster, okay, who would have to switch roles, okay? He'll stop doing ringmasters and he'll start having to control what, you know, the, the animal that's got loose. So that way the, the crowd doesn't panic, all right? And so forth. So he's like, okay, no matter what happens, the show must go on. That even though there's some setbacks to the show, we got to keep on going, right? And, it, and it, this person may have to change some roles. If initially you're a ringmaster and you have the show, you're going to have to change roles and control the animal just so the show can go on. And of course, this show, this, this word rather was used in show business, okay? In business and entertainment and so forth. And it's used when a performer or an artist, if they have a show, no matter what happens, any problems, any setbacks, whatever, they got to keep on going. They got to push. And today, figuratively speaking, this, this phrase means to carry on. It means to press on. It means to keep going. It means to stay the cause. Now, some of you guys will be saying, well, Frank, amen, bro. We hear you. Don't give up. Stay the course. The show must go on. But really, Frank, what show? <laughs> what show needs to go on? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Let's go, bro. This is fiery, man. I say hydrate, hydrate. The show must go on. And, you know, and, and, and this is where people have adapted this mindset, you know, adapt or die, basically. <laughs> you know, a phrase was coined through this mindset, adapt or die. And you never want to press the quit button. Never want to press the quit button, okay? Now, of course, in the Colossians chapter 2, you guys there? Yeah, with you, bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go, bro. Colossians 2, it says this in verse, we read from verse 13. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Man. It's, you know, I hope you guys remember the day your sins got forgiven. I hope that day has not become, you know, an old memory. I hope you still remember to this very day, the day you got baptized, when, when all your sins were forgiven at baptism. You know, you, you cannot forget that day. It says here, verse 14, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. 
you know, this word legal indebt uh, indebtedness is a, is a legal term, okay? It literally meant a document with all your crimes listed on it. This says that Jesus took all that list of crimes that you committed. He took them all. He put them on the cross and he nailed it on the cross. That's what Christ did. That, that's, in, that's the gospel today. That any sin you've committed, all the crimes you've committed, Christ nails on the cross and you can get your sins forgiven today. But he carries on. He says this, verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know, here it says, the title of course is the show must go on. And what's happening over here, it says that Christ, when he died on the cross, he made a, a public spectacle. It's interesting because the word spectacle over here in the Greek is digmatizo. It means to make a show. It means to make a show. God is the greatest showman. Jesus is the greatest showman. He asked what kind of show did he make? Of course, this word gets used again in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, where it, it, it says that the, the Roman victory parade of a triumphal procession right? The same word gets used in that context where the, 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 the Roman guy, of course, the officer would go to war, he would come back with the spoils of war. This says when Christ died on the cross, he made every single evil spirit in this world a public spectacle. He made a show out of them. What's the show today? The show is simply the salvation of souls. The salvation of souls is the greatest show today. Where Christ died on the cross to save us, and he made a public spectacle of Satan, a public spectacle of the demons, that they have no power, no authority of those who've been baptized but in, in, in water right there to get their sins forgiven. Amen? Amen. Come on, Amen. Amen. Now, it's awesome that, you know, it was amazing to have Leslie share what the cross means to her earlier today. But now, Leslie and I, there's a secret. Leslie and I, we, we share the same Netflix account, okay? Uh, believe it or not, her and I share the same Netflix account. So I can see everything Leslie watches, all right? Every show, I see everything she watches, right? Uh, and she can see everything I watch as well. Now, some, some of the shows, I'm like, hey, man, that's pretty cool. And some of the shows, I may just speak to a disciple after this right over there. You know, and, you know, it's interesting because Le Leslie has this habit now, of course, I'm just, you know, I'm just teasing her. She's got this habit where she would watch a show and she would stop watching it, okay? So I can see all the shows she's been watching, okay? And last night, I was like, okay, I got to count how many shows Leslie has not finished, okay? So I counted them all, and Leslie has 24 unfinished shows, okay? 24. And I was like, man, that's interesting, and most of them are paused. Just, just pauses all these shows. Pause, next show, pause, next show, pause, next show, right? And of course, she's got her reasons why she does this, okay? I love her. But it made me want to ask the question today. Have you paused the show? Have you paused the show? That's the question I got to ask you today. Have you paused the show? Have you paused the show in your prayers? Have you paused the show 
in your devotion to God? Have you paused your reading, the quiet times? Have you paused? Have you paused the show? You know, this week, sadly, I, I, I paused the show. I paused in my evangelism. I got discouraged. You know, trying to get some faith to see that, you know, God can bless it. I, I, I paused to show my evangelism. This is why we're going to go out and evangelize today with a man, okay? We're going to go out and be outward focused, okay? We're oh, going to evangelize. I, I paused the show in my evangelism this week. Where else you ask, Frank, you know, where, where did I pause the show? I paused the show in my encouragement with the sisters, okay? I, I paused the show in my encouragement. I, I need to go on dates, okay? I'm sorry. I repent. I got to encourage my sisters. Sisters, message me after this and say, Frank, let's go on a date, okay? I pause the show in that area, right? That, that, that's where I pause the show, guys. But I, I want to ask you, where have you paused? Where have you paused? You know where you've paused. You know where you've not really given your whole heart. You know you just press the pause button. We go to the next episode. Have you paused the show today? Let's go to John chapter 20. You guys with me, all right? Come on, bro. Come on, man. Come on. Look at this guy called Thomas. Man, Thomas, Thomas. John 20. Let's read verse 19. In John chapter 20, we're going to read verse 19. It says this. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. <laughs> he said, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Okay. Now, this is amazing. People ask, okay, how did the apostles get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? This is how they got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, okay? They didn't get baptized to get the Holy Spirit. They were all baptized by John to get their sins forgiven. But Jesus himself breathed into them the Holy Spirit. So that's how they got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 is not the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's the miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit. Totally different, okay? So here they got the indwelling. And now when he says that, they have authority to forgive. It wasn't that they would be God. It's impossible because only Jesus has that authority. What he means is that through their message, they're going to share with everyone how to get their sins forgiven. Without them, no one knows the message to be forgiven of their sins. That's what he basically means over here, okay? Not that they were like Jesus that had the authority to forgive sins, but their message had the authority to teach people how to get their sins forgiven, Okay. So we see what happens over here. Now, verse 24. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Woo. It says, so the other disciple told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting 
and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And the church says, amen. Hey, amen. 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 Someone shared this. They said, sometimes the bravest and most important thing you can do is just show up. My first point is simply, for the show to go on, you have to show up. (laughs) All right? For the show to go on, you have to show up. Okay? Now, over here, you've got this guy called Thomas. Thomas, you know, (laughs) Thomas, his name, funny enough, is crazy. Even both in the Hebrew and the Greek, in Aramaic, rather, his name means twin. Okay? So some say that Thomas may have had an actual twin. Okay? And some others say that he looked like Jesus, all right? Uh, that's pretty awesome. And, you know, we, we're all God's twins because we're made in the image of God, okay? We all look like Jesus, okay? So Jesus has a shade of Asian, a shade of black, a shade of white, a shade of, you know, all, all, this, all, all different shades. That's, that's Jesus, right? That, that's who God looks like. He's got all the different shades. I, I like that. He's got the melanin popping, you know, he's got the, 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 the sensitivity, the sunlight. He's going to put some sunscreen, sunscreen, okay? It, that, that's G. He can relate to us all here, guys, okay? I love the church. It's a church of all nations right there, right? Now, <laughs> Thomas, man, Thomas is hilarious. Thomas only gets mentioned about eight times in the New Testament, okay? And four of those times is with the apostles. And that's it. I'm like, wow. That's interesting. He's, someone, he's an individual who is mentioned so little in the Bible, but yet he's spoken so much in the modern world today, right? We know him as Doubting Thomas, yet of course we know he didn't die as a doubter. He died as a martyr in India, okay? He preached against the, the false idols in India. He's like, hey, all these idols over here are baloney. They're false. Just get rid of them, Okay. And they killed him. They, 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 they put a spear inside of him and they killed him because he spoke against idolatry, okay? Now, let's look at the dangers of not showing up to the show, okay? Because Thomas here, he, he didn't show up to the show, okay? He didn't show up. He missed the party, basically, you'd say. Now, I, I got a theory, okay, guys? This, this is not like, I'm not preaching this because I, I, I'd say... I'm preaching this as doctrine, but this is my theory, okay? You guys got to be Bereans on this one, okay? Thomas, let's see what happens when you don't show up to the show, okay, guys? Over here, we see that Jesus appears to the apostles, okay? He appears to 10 of the apostles. They all see Jesus, and guess what Jesus does? He shows them his hands and side. So everyone's, everyone's like, okay, yep, you're really Jesus, And guess what Jesus does? He breathes onto them the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Thomas missed the show. He comes in the next verses. He sees Jesus, but there's no mention of him receiving the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, wow. When you miss the show, you can miss out on miracles. I, I, this is my theory. Thomas did not receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because he missed the show. There's no record of it. No mention of it at all. It says the 10 received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, 
but it's very silent that Thomas received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. And then, of course, it says over here that Jesus, when he came, he showed him his side and the hands. Now, of course, for you to be an apostle, an actual apostle, you have must have seen Jesus resurrected physically from the dead. All the others saw him, and because Thomas missed the show, his he, he, confirmation of apostle was delayed because he missed the show. All the others saw Jesus resurrected, and they were confirmed as apostles. But Thomas missed the show and delayed his confirmation. So I'm like, okay, what does we learn over here? The fact that everyone was together for the meeting of the body, okay? They were at church, you would say. Thomas wasn't there. Now, it's interesting because it's like, wait a minute. How is it that 10 of them have all agreed to be together and Thomas is not there? It's simple. He was a lone ranger. Thomas was a lone ranger. He was not unified with everyone else. He was disunified. I, I don't believe that the people just randomly just decided to come and meet together. I believe that you know, there was a communication here that, hey, we got to meet together, all right? But Thomas was like, nah, I, I, don't, I don't have to be there. He missed the show. Now, let's see what happens over here. Now, Thomas, of course, he becomes what is called Doubting Thomas. That's his name. But how did he get there? Where was he in the beginning? Let's go to John 11. All right, I hope you guys are following through here. Come on, Frank, let's go. Come on, bro. 11. He missed the show. Look at this over here. Let's see what happens when you miss the show. Okay, John 11. This is the first mention of Thomas. John 11, verse 14. It says, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, say to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Okay. So Thomas here, his name is called Thomas the Brave. But then no one ever calls him Thomas the Brave. Ever notice that? No one ever thinks about Thomas as the brave. Every time you think of Thomas, he's the doubter. Right? John 11. John 11, verse 14 and 16. So what happened from being this guy known as Thomas the brave to Thomas the doubter? In between that time period, there must have been a shakiness in his relationship with God. That's what I believe. I believe that his relationship with God got a bit rocky, <laughs> you would say. You know, perhaps seeing Jesus Christ crucified scared him. An individual who was so ready to die with Jesus, but when the time came to actually die, he deserted Jesus. You're like, wow. So there was a character change in Thomas. Thomas the brave becomes Thomas the doubter. God tested his relationship, you would say. So you're like, okay, what made him doubt though at the end? He may have lost vision. That's what I believe. He may have lost vision. He may have lost vision for the show, which is, of course, the salvation of all souls. 
And he went from Thomas the Brave to Thomas the Doubter, where he said, I'll only believe unless. He had what is called unless faith. We know what unless faith is. Unless this happens in my life, I won't believe. Unless I get this prayer answered, I will not believe. Unless I get this sorted, I will not believe. Unless God gives this to me, I will not believe. So like, wow. Instead of him being known as Thomas the Brave, he got known as Thomas the Doubter because of this situation over here. He was then defined by his faithlessness instead of his bravery. You see, sometimes your faithlessness can overshadow the good you've done. Your faithlessness in a situation can overshadow the good you've done. Faithlessness is louder than you think. It's very loud. It actually speaks louder than you actually think. You see, Thomas missed the show. He's like, unless I put my finger in his side, I see the nail marks. He would have been able to see that if he didn't miss the show, if he came the first time. So what happened? He spent a whole entire week doubting God because he didn't show up to the show. What's the show? The show is church. <laughs> the show is church, guys. The show is being with disciples. The show is the meetings of the body. So when you, when you don't show up to the show, when you're not with disciples, when you're not in means of the body, you can become a doubt in Thomas and faithlessness can consume you. And a question I have for you today is simply, how's your commitment to God been this week? How's your commitment to God been this week, disciples? And for those visiting as well, is this the first? Is, are you only going to come to church when it's online? Or are you going to come to church in person? Perhaps you're going to get some faith when you're with Jesus in person, when you come to a church service, a church meeting. Disciples, are you in Bible studies? Are you in Bible? Are you running away from Bible studies? <laughs> are you running away from discipling times? Are you running away? Are you not unified with all the disciples? Not meeting with disciples, having doubts. Has that been you? You know, we don't want, don't let your faithlessness be louder than the greatness that is within you. Don't let your faithlessness be louder than the greatness that is within you. Thomas was a brave guy, guys. He was brave. But sadly, he allowed faithlessness to overshadow the good and the greatness that was inside of him. Now, why do I share this? Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Hope you guys are still with me. First Peter chapter two. Yeah, come on, bro. Absolutely. First Peter chapter two. We all, we always read this, but man, we we sometimes we just miss a few things over here. First Peter chapter two in verse one, verse four rather. It says, "As you come to Him." The living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, precious 
to him. You know, people can reject you, but God will accept you. Don't worry about that. People can reject you, but God is going to accept you, okay? It says over here, verse 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who not believe, the stone that builds rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were just destined for. But you are a chosen people. It says, guys, you're chosen if you're a disciple. It says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you're not a people, but now you're a people of God. Once you may receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mm -hmm. You know, here it says that we are living stones. We're precious stones. That's what we are, okay? Now, I, I looked this up. I said, okay, how does one detect a real precious stone. How do you know that this stone is real? It's authentic. Two things that they use, heat and to magnify into the stone. So one way to test a, a real stone is that they'll, they'll apply some heat, okay? And when you apply some heat into the stone, if it melts, it's fake. But if it remains solid, it's an original stone, okay? And then another way to see if the stone is authentic is to, to magnify, to see the purity of the stone. Now check this out. If there are cracks in the stone, it's authentic. But if there is no cracks, it's fake. The cracks show its authenticity to show that it's actually come from the ground. So you're like, wow, cracks signify authenticity, but perfection, duplicity. You see, a lot of us want to be perfect. A lot of us want to be perfect, but that's not being a stone. That's not being a precious stone. A real stone has some cracks in it. See, a lot of us want a, a perfect life. No hardship, no cracks. No weaknesses, no trials. Mm. Do you know what you're saying when you're saying all of that? You want a perfect life? You're saying you don't need God. That's what you're Ouch. saying. You're saying that you're asking for a life where you don't need God. Because your weaknesses and your trials force you to go to God. So if you want a perfect life, you're basically saying, I don't, I don't want to go to God. Basically, you're saying, I don't want God if you want a perfect life. You know, earlier this week, I experienced something new, okay? And when I say new, it's new to me, okay? It may not be new to you, okay? So now, what happened? So, of course, I was riding on my bike, you know? And uh, at the end of my bike journey, okay, I was, uh, I was parking the bike. Uh, this is like early in the morning on a Tuesday. I was parking the bike, okay? And as I, as I parked the bike, 
I, I flipped the, you know, the, the bike stand with my hand, okay, which was a dumb decision, okay? And as I, as I, as I flipped the, the bike stand with my hand, what happens is that I, I pinched my thumb really badly, okay? I pinched my thumb really, really badly, okay? Now, if you guys look at my thumb, I got this really ugly black mark over here, okay? So some people are like, well, what's this? Okay. Everyone's like, whoa, is that a birthmark? What's happening, right? This is a weird, ugly mark, okay? So I pinched my thumb. It was really painful, okay? And I looked at it, and I was like, okay. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start bleeding, okay? I see I'm bleeding. I see some blood, but blood isn't coming out. I'm like, interesting. So I see some blood. Okay, I'm like, okay, this is weird, okay? I, I can totally see that I'm hurt with some blood, but there's no blood coming out. So then, okay, uh, I go about my morning, all right? I, I, I go to the store, and, and I, I try. I ask one of the sisters there who's a, who's a doctor. I say, hey, I don't know what happened to me. She's like, oh, don't worry. That's just called a, a hematoma, okay? So I'm like, okay, well, what is that? Basically, you know, it's, a, it's an injury that's caused to your blood vessels, and what's happened is that your blood vessels are broken, right? And, you know, you start bleeding from the inside. So I'm like freaking out. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm bleeding from the inside. Well, am I going to lose my thumb? Okay, what, do I have to do surgery? What's going to happen? She's like, nah, bro, don't worry. Just leave it. Leave it alone. <laughs> Just leave it alone. It's going to go away. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, it's going to go away. But I'm bleeding on the inside. Yeah, don't worry. It's going to go away. Huh. So I don't need to go to the doctor or do surgery. Nothing? No, 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 nothing at all. So I was like, ah, okay. There must be a spiritual lesson to this. There's no way this has happened and there's no spiritual lesson. There's no way. What's the spiritual lesson? We make a big deal out of nothing. We make a big deal out of nothing. You know, no one really dies from a hematoma unless it's to a, a, a very, of course, uh, a vital organ, okay? But when you have a hematoma in other areas, you, you, you're hurt, you're bleeding, but you're not going to die. Like, wow. So we, we, we make a big deal out of nothing, guys, sometimes. You see, guys, the church is made up of people. People like you. Okay? People who sin. People who hurt each other. And we've got to have a maturity about us in the church where if you're hurt by someone, you may be bleeding, but you're not going to die. And don't make a big deal out of it. <laughs> Just move on. <laughs> the show must go on, okay? Amen. The show must go on. Let me tell you something. The amount of times I get hurt by some of you guys, it's like probably six times in a week. But the show must go on. You're not going to die. You know, the church is made of people, guys. And we've, we've got we to stop holding grudges. We've got to stop being bitter at each other. We've we got to stop. we just got to stop that. And we've got to learn to be mature disciples that we, we get hurt. We understand we get hurt. You may be bleeding. Amen. The show must go on. Amen. Come on, Frank. Amen, bro. Preach, bro. Amen. Come on. Amen. amen. Let's now, go, bro. Let's go, bro. Have a the show. Verse 6 says this. It says, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious stone, and one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, it's interesting because this was taken from Isaiah chapter 28, okay? Isaiah 28, verse 16. In Isaiah, it has a different 
translation. It says at the end, it says, instead of saying put to shame, Isaiah says, will never be stricken with panic. Mm. That's what Isaiah's one says, right? Isaiah's one says, if you trust in God, you'll never be stricken with panic. And all panic, of course, over there in the Hebrew, it means to hasten about and to be distracted. It means to hurry. So it says over here that when you don't trust Jesus, the living stone, you like to hurry. You become very impatient as a disciple. You know, have you become impatient? Has that been you? You lose impatience. God, my leg. Now over here, of course, it says you're a royal priesthood. Now, of course, the royal priesthood in the Old Testament, what would happen is the priesthood, okay, the priesthood would be the one who would be the intercessor between you and God, right? So in the Old Testament, if Aaron didn't offer sacrifices for you, you could blame him. Hey, Aaron, you didn't, you didn't offer sacrifices, bro. Like, me, me and God are not doing good. But this time in the New Testament, it says you are royal priesthood. So you are responsible for your relationship with God. You being close to God or further away from God is your fault. You can't blame it on other people. You can't blame it on your disciple, our disciples. It's your fault. It's you. Basically, you are where you are because of you. <laughs> Not God. Because this says you are a royal priesthood. You are the intercessor. You're the mediator between you and God. <laughs> You're responsible for your own relationship with God. So what makes us, you know, what makes us blame God in our current circumstances? Ungratefulness. Ingratitude. When we are ungrateful, that's what makes us blame God instead of taking the ownership on ourselves. You see, gratitude isn't easy, guys. It's not natural. We are naturally entitled individuals. That's who we are, naturally. We're entitled. Gratitude doesn't come easy at all. This is why when, when Jesus healed the 10 lepers, only one came back and said, thank you. The other nine were entitled to being cleansed. Now, are you grateful today? Are you grateful? Have you lost your gratitude? Have you stopped becoming a precious stone? What do we learn over here, guys? For the show to keep going, we need to become precious stones with cracks. For us to keep the show going, we, we, gotta, we gotta accept that we, we, we have to be cracked for us to be authentic precious stones. And lastly, don't let your greatness within you overshadow your faithlessness. Don't let your faithlessness overshadow the greatness that's within you. We gotta let the show go on. Bring it for a close right there, guys, okay? Bring it for a close. Hang in there. James chapter one. The last one. Last and final point. Don't stop. It's only the beginning. Don't stop. It's only the beginning. Have you ever gone to a gym session with someone and you're exhausted? And then you look at your gym partner and you say, is it over? Your gym partner says, no, we're only just beginning. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you guys? Like, man, this, I thought it was over. No, bro, we're only just starting. 
We're only just starting, guys. Don't stop. It's only the beginning, okay? In James chapter 1, I'll be quick with this one, guys, okay? Because it's almost 50 minutes. I know some of you guys are hungry. You're losing focus. You're falling asleep, okay? Hang in there, okay? James 1, we're bringing for a close. Dia's like, man, Frank, okay, preacher man, hurry up, okay? Uh, James 1, it says this. In verse 2, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. This is challenging, guys. He said, you got to consider it pure joy. What does this mean? Trials are an opportunity to be joyful. I'm like, wow, that is challenging. Trials are an opportunity to be joyful. Okay. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That perseverance finishes work so that you may be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding faults. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not receive, expect anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I'll be quick on this point over here. This says that when we got trials, we got to learn to focus on the good in the trials. It's very easy to focus on the bad, guys. And a lot of us are going through a lot of trials in the church. I know it. Some of you guys are sick. Some of you guys are going through personal trials. You know, uh, we, we, we all going through trials. And God is saying you need trials to go to heaven. You need them. It's essential for you to go to heaven. If you have no trials, you're not going to go to heaven. Because the, the word endurance over here, in the Greek, right, it's a hupomone. It has two meanings. Hupo means to stay under. Meno means to abide and to remain. And the picture, it's crazy. The picture of this word, it, it's, it's a picture of someone who's carrying heavy load and he chooses to stay under this load, but not trying to escape the load. He chooses, I'm going to stay under this load not try to run away from it. I'm going to choose to stay under it. Hupomone in a Greek. Cheerful endurance. And if this says that the reason why God puts trials in your life is because you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What does that mean? If there's trials in your life, that means you're lacking something. There's a lack in your life. There's a lack in a character there's a lack in, I don't know, your love for God. There's a lack in gratitude. There's a lack somewhere. That's why God puts trials. He's like, no, nah, man, you're lacking something, dude. There's something missing right now. I'm going to put a financial trial so you, you can grow. And he says, we need to have the wisdom. We need to ask God for wisdom. God, help me understand what the, what's happening. How to have the right emotion to this trial. Help me to understand what to do in this trial. Because trials force you to go to God. He says, if you lack wisdom in those trials, go to God. He'll give it to you. So trials are there to force you to go to God. So you can ask God, what's happening? Give me wisdom. Help me understand what's going on. And the word patience over here is not just passive waiting, but it's, 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 the, kind of, it's the kind of slow waiting like a marathon. You see, 
God allows trials and he tests you, not just so you can pass, but so you can finish. So you can finish and actually make it to heaven. And we've, we've, we've got to have a different mindset about trials in our lives. A different thinking about trials in our lives. Because trials are there. It's, it's like a marathon. That's what it is. It's a marathon that God has put in your life to help you get to heaven. And without those trials, you're not going to go to heaven. You need trials to help you go to, get to heaven. It says over here, in closing rather, I'm going to close with, you know, these are the last words of Fred Mercury, right? And uh, he, he, he was, of course, the lead singer of Queen. And, you know, Fred Mercury, uh, Mercury rather, sorry, uh, he, in his last dying days, you know, of course, he, he caught, you know, uh, HIV over there. In his last dying days, he had to record this song. Believe it or not, the song was called The Show Must Go On. <laughs> the Show Must Go On. And as, as he was recording this, this song, they said, dude, are you sure you really want to record this song? Because you're really sick. He's like, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. Despite him being sick, he, he still did the song. It's almost like our brother Luigi this week. <laughs> Luigi was sick. I said, bro, you're going to preach the word. And Luigi preached the word on Wednesday, even though he was sick over there. <laughs> he preached the word. And in the song, the lyrics go like this. The show must go on. The show must go on. Inside my heart is breaking. My makeup may be flaking. That's for the sisters, okay? Brothers, you want to be ready to make up. But my smile still stays on. The show must go on. The show must go on. I'll face it with a grin. I'm never giving in. On with the show. You know, if the world can understand this, this concept of the show must go on, I believe disciples can grasp this concept of the show must go on. Let's not ever give up, disciples. You know, I think... Uh, Leslie's a great example. I think it's the spirit of God that she shared what she shared today. Where we've got the spirit that loves trials. We've got the spirit that understands the show must go on. We've got the spirit that we get hurt, we move on, the show must go on. We've got the spirit that no trial, no, no, no problems in our lives stop us. They, they, they don't stop the show. That's the spirit we have. Of course, if you're here visiting with us, what is the show? The show, as we, we saw earlier, is Christ nailing all your sins on the cross and getting your sins forgiven. Be part of the show. Be a cast member of the show. God is calling you to become a true Christian today. Stay the Bible with the person that's invited you so you learn what the script is, <laughs> right? The scriptures, the script, the word of God. And of course, disciples, that's never, that's never, never, ever stop. Let's carry on. Let's push. Let's make sure the show goes on. I love you and to God be all the glory.